Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, my name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. Great to have your company again for a, another edition of Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM, on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com. And from there, you can go to TuneIn, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you pick up your podcasts of Splinters. Now, look, as we've mentioned in recent weeks, you may have heard some new voices coming in and joining us on Triple H 100.1 FM's sports coverage. We make no apologies at all for introducing female broadcasters, female callers to our team. You're going to hear a heck of a lot more of all of them in coming weeks, but we thought it was fair just to break the ice and introduce them a little bit more formally than just, oh, there's a female voice on the radio. Ah, who are these people? Ah, what's that about? And so we'll get to know a little bit more about them, particularly their love and passion and experience of sport from an individual basis. So without further ado, we uh, will go through both Sarah Marshke and Alex Bellamy individually on either side of the break. So we're going to start with young Sarah Marshke, who's with me now. Sarah, welcome aboard to Triple H, and welcome aboard to your first appearance on Splinters. Just watch those Splinters down the other end of the bench that <laughs> Keith Topolsky left. Um, they're pretty nasty. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Love the team, so really happy to be on board. So tell me about yourself. Where does your sporting passion come from? Where did it all start? You have, as we know, two brothers, twin brothers who are very close to NRL standard. They now play currently for Canterbury-Bankstown in the Canterbury Cup. Um, growing up with them in country Queensland, in Bundaberg, the home of the rum, uh, would have been an eye-opening introduction to life in sports. It really was. So I was actually raised with my three brothers. So I have an eldest one on top of that and they are all rugby league fanatics. So I actually got involved with rugby league when I was six years old. So my first ever game was under sevens and I hadn't stopped playing. I started playing when I was seven, six to about 16 and continued till 18 and 20 and so on. So with the twins, they've taught me so much. They, Without them, I wouldn't be where I am today really they taught me how to catch how to kick I was literally six and I would kill it on the field I was playing with males all these guys and just showing them up at the age of six because of my brothers teaching me and showing me the journey they have been with you as well on your journey which we'll come to in a moment but you're regularly seen when you get time in your busy schedule um, at their games uh, supporting them no doubt Uh, it would be a thrill to see them make the NRL one day, hopefully, possibly. Yeah, 100%. I'd be in tears. I'd be there right on the sideline with massive signs. It's it's always been a dream for them, but also for me because I've watched them through how many years, 15 years, work their butts off. They Those kids just have an amazing talent, I believe, not being biased, mm-hmm. but they've just worked their butts off. And if they were to ever have the opportunity, then they deserve it. They're very close. Um, what are you hearing about them at the moment? Um, what feedback are they getting? They're in a side that's traveling well in the Canterbury Cup and that level below but 
they neither of them had an NRL opportunity at this stage. What are you hearing? What are they? What vibes are they giving out? Look, every year they are getting closer and closer. This year would be one of their closest. Both have actually had the opportunity to play with NRL. I'm sorry, train with NRL, which mm-hmm. was an amazing opportunity. Jesse, Jesse, in one of the trial games, actually played with the NRL. So that was an awesome game for him. He did a phenomenal job. He only got about 10 minutes on, but still absolutely killed it. From what I've heard from the coaches, I've spoken to them. They will get the opportunity, like all coaches say. Um, we're not too sure if it's going to be this year. They're both playing really well, but I think they just need to work more so on their strength, really, in their defence, because they are quite small halves. They're not the biggest of boys. So I think they just need to really work on their defensive, and they'll do okay. They are going to be in Canterbury's system for 2020? Yes. Um, absolutely. They are contracted? Yes, that I know of. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, watch this space there. <laughs> now, what about your own rugby league uh, forays? You mentioned you played from, what, age six to yeah. 16, and then things changed. Yeah. So I played from six. When I was about 14, I actually got contracted as a model. So the whole rugby league and modelling didn't go, and I was forced out of rugby league so I could pursue my modelling. But actually from the age 10, 11, and 12, I got the opportunity to represent my state. So I played for Queensland, um, and I actually got the opportunity to train with the Gillaroos. And I remember speaking to the coach. He goes, Sarah, you let me know as soon as you're 16, you're going to come train with our Gillaroos team. And I was absolutely stoked. But then modelling came up and my ways kind of shifted. I was like, hey, I kind of want to start modelling. So I had to leave rugby league behind there for a few years and pursued modelling. Then I then rehitched it up about 17, 18. And that's when I was contracted for the Rabbitohs for the SG Bull side. And I played there for a couple of years. But then again, also that after that couple of years, I got signed again with another modeling agency. So I, I had to leave the footy behind there because manager wasn't happy. I ended up, um, one of my first ever games in for the Rabbitohs, I broke four of my fingers because I was very thin. So unfortunately, rugby league and modeling didn't work out. So that's when AFL actually came along. Oh, the dark side, <laughs> the dark side. Yes. Yeah, so I actually discovered that AFL, I wasn't getting as injured because you're not just running straight at people you're running into those holes and trying to get the goals so that's where I am at the moment is currently what position do you play Uh, I can as being a tall lady I can see you what Um, either at one end of the ground or the other either in a forward line taking marks or down back in defence. Would I be right there? Yeah, so because I am quite good with marks, being my rugby league um, status before, they've actually got me in full forward sometimes now. But because I am quite fit, I, my main position is in ruck because I can run the whole Oh, and the ruck just would yep. be absolutely... The whole full quarters. How do you find the differences between the two codes? They're, they're two <laughs> com- almost two completely different they, worlds, aren't they? They are... Honestly, oh, AFL, the forwards and the rucks is completely different also. Rucks is just constant running. At least with the forwards, I can just chill out there and just focus on taking the marks. But the rucks is defense, attack, looking for those holes, um, making those marks and making the right decisions. So, yeah. What is your preference? I know oh. it's, it's, it's a hard thing to say. I know you didn't want to be looking forward to this, but really, <laughs> at the end of the day... Um, if it comes down to a decision at some point in the future, considering that there's also that third 
option, the modelling option, mm. um, which way would Sarah Marshke go if push, came, if push comes to shove? Look, unfortunately, I was pushed out of rugby not by my choice, so there's always going to be a gap there that I may re-enter. For now, my option would have to be AFL, only because I'm still wanting to pursue that modelling career also, and unfortunately, rugby league's just not working there. So it would probably be AFL for now, mm-hmm. but don't get me wrong, who knows where the future will take me. Because you're still young, you're still only... 20. 20. Yeah. An absolute babe in the woods yes. when it comes to a lot of these things. But you've had to grow up very quickly. You've had to move to Sydney, yeah. uh, which is a difficult thing for a country girl from uh, rural Queensland. Yeah, Bundaberg, massive change. What was the biggest change, the biggest difference to a country town where everybody knows you mm. to a city like Sydney, which is hustle and bustle and sometimes doesn't have a soul? Yeah, so the Bundaberg, I was really disappointed because I, at the time, was doing extremely well in both my career and studies. I was killing it at rugby league at the time, and I was also drifting into AFL. I ended up representing my state nationally also for AFL. Um, and your studies, what were you studying? Yeah, oh, me, I was just in high school, and oh, I was right, doing okay, very well. Saying, yeah. yeah, so, at, and also there, I wasn't just an AFL rugby league player, I was also a national touch player and a softball player. So, all of that was all happening, and I was all juggling it, it was just perfect. You were one of these all-round sports I, women and sportsmen that, that, that people <laughs> get jealous of at school that, you know, could probably pick up a golf stick and swing that well as well. Yeah. Uh, probably, one of those, probably one of those things that, you know, just naturally gifted Athletes. And I do have to give that to my brothers, though, because, I mean, I was their t- test dummy for most of it. So they taught me Crash everything. Crash test dummy? Yeah. Or, yeah. So that's what I meant. So basically every single sport that they wanted to try, they would get me amongst it. And by the time I was 10, I was just a pro at basically all of it. And I ended up, yeah, a softballer, a touch player, a netballer also, I forgot to mention, and then AFL and rugby league. How have you found then, you know, the the quintessential, stereotypical women's sport for so many decades in this country was netball, yeah. basketball to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. In a lot of country towns, particularly in the southern states, the guys play footy, AFL, yep. and the girls play netball. In a lot of country towns, it's a combined netball slash football club. Yeah. Uh, yep. You've broken that mould yeah, no. in playing a lot of these other sports. So I was actually one of the first females in Bundaberg to actually play rugby league. So the females would train to our um, right. They would be playing netball. And then the blokes would be training for footy. And I was that one little girl just training for footy. And I've broken it. Mum really tried to get me into netball. She didn't want me to become a rugby league player. But I told her firmly, Mother, I'm playing rugby league and I'm going to kill it. Well, um... Uh, things have led you in another direction, um, but for now, where does you know modelling fit in all of this? By the time this goes to air, uh, and will be downloaded possibly, probably on a podcast or six, um, you'll be in the middle of trying to become a representative for Australia at the world's oldest beauty pageant, Indeed. the Miss World Quest. Uh, a beauty pageant which Australia has not provided a winner in since 1972. Um, and you'll be up against 24 other ladies who share that same uh, aspiration. Uh, 
the modelling side of things has obviously got a life of its own and has overtaken sport. Yes, indeed. No, I hope Miss World goes well. I'm really, I really got into Miss World because it's, I don't want people to think it's just a cliche pageant where you just have beautiful women go. I want them to know myself. I'm an AFL player, ex-rugby league player. I'm currently singing and I'm not just a pretty face and I think that's a big thing that people need to know on Miss World so if I did get the opportunity to represent Australia I would really bring that in and be like hey look I'm not your everyday girl and that's what you need to know but yeah we'll see where it takes me but I do agree with what you're saying yeah what about the stereotype of beauty pageants particularly how that um, doesn't align up with Let's just say modern day feminism. Mm. Um, I know we're getting a little bit off the sports track, but it, we're not in a way because um, Australian women's sport is very much uh, on the march. Yeah. And beauty pageants are of the old school, which has a lot of bad blood and bad stereotypes for people who want to get real equality for women in the 21st century. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just people I, I often get it today Sarah why are you doing it it's just based on looks it's not these women that are participating they I have one girl I'm up against she is actually a carpenter she's beautiful she's stunning she's a carpenter she's super intelligent and then I have other women that are scientists that are lawyers that are doctors it's just not your stereotypical pageant and I think that's what today's modern one is it's it's not they're not looking for someone that's just a pretty face they're all intelligent and they're all athletes they're all different women and that's the thing about the Miss World contest which was moved away from that dare I say it, cheesecake identity, when mm. the founder, Eric Morley, passed away when he did uh, back in the year 2000. His widow has taken that and really driven this contest, Beauty with a Purpose, yes. as one of the, the, the offshoots of that. Tell me about that. How does that work? How does that operate? Yeah, so Beauty with a Purpose, it, it does have a purpose. We're there to be a role model for those younger women. I know when I was younger, I was always shy to speak up because I was raised with boys I was always kind of taught to keep my mouth shut always so I think it's just really empowering women that's the whole purpose of it is that we can speak up we have a mind also we're all intelligent so we have the opportunity to do so all right now uh, as I mentioned by the time <laughs> this goes to where you'll be right in the middle of that contest but take us then back uh, to sport growing up in Queensland, obviously a Maroons supporter when it comes to all things <laughs> sure interstate am. stuff, rugby league, cricket, whatever, yeah. Brisbane Heat, uh, whatever. Um, were you a Broncos supporter growing up or was it North Queensland or was it somebody else? I actually wasn't. So at the age of six, my dad told me, Sarah, choose a footy team that you're going to support. And it was Melbourne Storm purely because of Billy Slater and Cameron Smith. Yeah. So I'm actually a Melbourne Storm supporter. But once we moved to Sydney, I kind of drifted towards Sydney Roosters because they gave my brothers that opportunity. And I have a lot of respect for that. Also, having the opportunity to grow, um, grow up with some of those 
those current Sydney Rooster players and watch like Victor Radley. I've known him since he was 16. Watch him grow. Um, Latrell Mitchell and SG Ball, Joseph Manu, all those boys. So that's why I've drifted more towards Sydney Roosters because I know how much hard work has gone into it and I just really respect the team. What about Latrell Mitchell? I'm sure you've got an opinion on him like everybody else does. He was dropped for Origin 1 and didn't get a look in for the rest of the series and there were question marks about his attitude. You've seen him yeah. at closer quarters than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, is some of that criticism unfair? Or? Oh, 100%. I was actually quite disappointed to hear all of that. It's just like what Dylan Napper said. When he's doing well, everyone wants to know him. But as soon as he has one average game, people want to drop him. He is such a great kid. He has an, a beautiful little girl. He's doing the best he can. That people seem to forget that he's so young. He's 21. And, even, and a father already. Exactly. Beautiful family he has. And the thing is, they seem to forget that he's a young boy and you have average games. He's still growing as a player personally is what I think and the criticism that he got is he does not deserve that at all. Alright well we'll watch this space uh, with interest there a lot of this is coming from someone who's only 20 and younger than Latrell Mitchell himself have you found that you've had to grow up a lot faster than you wanted to or needed to given your yeah. your your history and your, your circumstances, your background? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. I mean, I'm proud for who I am right now and where I've gotten, but definitely I think by the age of 16, I had developed into the woman that I was because, I mean, I've represented my state in many sports and captaining those also, you need to be an adult. And especially moving to Sydney, adapting to this completely different place, completely different to Bundaberg. The people here are a lot more different, so I had to really adapt to that, especially with modelling, Miss World, especially has made me the woman I am today. How hard has it been to adjust? I'm not going to lie. So the first year that I moved to Sydney with all my sport, yeah, I got really emotional actually and actually I had to go back to Queensland to get myself together because I fell into a bit of a depression and so I really just had to go back to Queensland, um, live with my brother for a bit. He got me back on track and said, look, sir, you need to go back and pursue those dreams. So off I went back to Sydney and I haven't looked back since. I'm loving it. Indeed. And you've even found your way here to the to the Triple HFM family, which we are so uh, delighted about. Okay. Okay, a couple of little things now. We normally on the bench have something called drop and give me 20. Well, we don't have time to go through the full 20 (laughs) because after the break, we do have to speak to Alex Bellamy as well and uh, get her background and uh, her story, which is just as intriguing and just as um, remarkable as yours. But there's a few, we'll call it a mini, I don't know, drop and... Give me five squats or the five squat test. Just a few quick questions about um, your sporting uh, experiences from yourself personally. Sure. Starting with um, your proudest sporting moment. Boy, my proudest... It would probably be when I got to represent Queensland for AFL. I had actually only been playing AFL for two weeks prior to that selection. Yep, two weeks, did not know any of the rules, but because of that rugby league experience with my kicking and catching, I ended up being selected and being a co-captain for that side. So that would probably be one of my most memorable moments. All right. (laughs) Conversely, dare I ask least favourite or sporting moment you want to forget or is there something there that we shouldn't know about or is it past? Next question. 
Um, oh, I'll, I'll let you know of one. So um, I was out for SG Ball with an injury and my first ever game back, I in the first 10 minutes, I went for a dip at the try line out of dummy half and broke all four fingers. For me, that was extremely embarrassing and very weak. So I'll never live that down. I got one game. Oh, dear. <laughs> yes. All right. I think you've already touched on this. Sporting idol or idols, and this can be anyone, anywhere in the world growing up. Who was the idol or idols? Oh, goodness. Where do I begin? Well, from when I was a young girl, and I've always looked up to this guy, he's just always been there, it would be Darren Lockyer. For him, representing Queensland for all the boys, and even just watching him now as a mentor to all the boys, he's just someone I've always looked up to. He's such amazing knowledge. um, Favourite um, teammate that you've had? (laughs) Or funny, actually, funny, let's let's rephrase that. Funniest teammate. Funniest teammate. Keeping Uh, it, uh, you know, legal, of course. I'm sure there's (laughs) stuff that goes on in dressing rooms that should remain there. But funniest teammate. Funniest um, would probably be my mate from the Rabbitohs, um, Monica Mawali. She is just always dancing, that girl. Even when we're losing, she will just dance, crump, twerk. She'll do it all. Everyone, if we're ever down after a game, she'll just pump the music up, get on the table and just kill it. She's probably one of my favourite players ever. And she's killing it right now, actually, in the Rabbitohs side. She's one of their forwards. Yeah. Yeah. With a dancing ability. Oh, she's amazing. She kills it. Um, sporting goals sporting in two, goals. five, ten years, whatever. What are they? So I'm looking at hopefully taking my footy more seriously next year and getting drafted for maybe the Giants or even just get into the Swannies Academy. This year's kind of just been more so modelling and sport, get back on track, but next year I'm just going to devote my whole year to footy and see where it takes me. If that be rugby league, if that be AFL, I'm just going to see where it'll get me. All right. Um, I think you've already covered most embarrassing moments. Um, worst sledge or best sledge that you've heard or given or copped out on the field? Because it goes on. Even amongst girls, I know it goes on. But there's a lot of swearing involved and I don't want to say it. Oh, well, okay. Well, (laughs) try and cut out the swear words. We can go, um, you fire truck someone. Um, last night, actually. Last night? Last night. As in, uh, what? Yep, last night I actually got... You're a fire truck. S word. What? Oh, right. Um, <laughs> right. Fire truck. I fire truck hate you, you dumb fire truck. Yes, that is what I got last night for in an, in an In an in a, AFL game. In an AFL yep. game playing for and the Sydney she, Bombers. Yeah, and she pegged the ball at me. Threw yep. the ball at you? Yeah, and then it was a throw, so I got the penalty. So you, I was happy. You got the free kick? Yeah, I was very happy with that. Oh, gee. <laughs> But there's a you have no clue, and especially in AFL, because you can put on those shepherds and full charge someone. They would just do it when the refs aren't looking. I'm guilty of the it umpires, too. Yeah. I get pretty grumbly and rough on the field. I have a short temper like my brother Benny. So on the field, when the refs aren't looking, you can just whack someone and they won't do anything about it. Girls are the worst at it. You're saying that girls are worse at it than blokes oh, are? Oh, 100%. You, wouldn't, you won't often see a guy on the footy field do a cheap shot behind the rest back, but females, it happens every single game. Are we talking as... Well, okay, next question from that. <laughs> um, 
blues, brawls, dare I say it, cat fights on the field. Have you seen one? Have you been involved in one? I mean, I've seen millions, but I try to stay out of it, really. You're um, a lover, not a fighter? I, I am a lover, um, only because I don't want anyone to kind of switch me and make me click because I will get really mad. So I try to just stay away from it and not get too involved. But um, probably one was the worst one that I've witnessed would be the one in high school and she was actually on my team she tackled this one girl and they got into a bit of a rifle they were just going at each other and they were ripping each other's hair out and I've never seen that much hair it was disgusting to watch what is it about ripping hair because it hurts I've never not that I have ever seen guys go for hair Mm. because there's probably not a lot of hair there and a lot of instances on top of the scone but I think because you can just (laughs) sounds terrible but you can grab the hair and you can swing it around and like really hurt someone with it yeah I think that's why I wouldn't know I've never done it I would never go for a girl's hair (laughs) all right now um future of women's sport um never in the history of this country has women's sport been as much on the march but do you think there's still a fair way to go? Oh, 100%. This is only just the beginning. This is the first year properly where both um, Rugby League for Women, AFL for Women has just started to get a bit serious. There is so much to go where the future that I'm seeing is women don't need to work on the side. I feel like they're going to get fully paid as a full athlete. That's where I think this is going because it's massive. Even like you saw the turnout for the Women's State of Origin, there was thousands of people. They got 10,000 officially. Exactly. Mm. And that's just the beginning so I reckon you, uh, everyone should just keep an eye out because it's going to get massive. Should administrators be careful with how they treat, grow the women's game and should it be done at the expense of the men's game or side by side? Look that's a hard question. I respect what the officials are doing at the moment trying to get them at the same level as the men I just believe they should be equal and tell the one thing that I'm really strongly about is that they should start televising the women's game personally because they are incredible games the amount of knowledge and skills that the women have it's you compare it to men's and it's basically the same they have the skills they're not there they wouldn't be there if they weren't selected there are those that would say that it's not as strong and that it's a slower pace uh and that it's not as skillful. I would tell them, go watch the highlights. Go watch State of Origin. Go watch the women that are representing their countries and then get back to me about it. Should um, men be threatened by this uh, breakout of women's sport in Australia? Not at all. They should be supporting it because we're equal. We're both men and women and seeing women do what they love, it should be exciting. They should be working alongside them, actually. All right. Last thing, because we're just about out of time for your half. Mm -hmm. Alex Bellamy is uh, sitting in the green room. Uh, We heard her giggling a couple of times with some of the answers, but she's been sitting patiently in the green room. We'll be hearing from her after this break um, and asking her pretty much the same sort of questions. But uh, let's be a bit selfish. What about how you see your role with us here at Triple H 
it's just another opportunity that has come your way in recent times. I'm so thankful when I walked into Triple H for an interview for Miss World that I got this out of it. You already have, Tony, have taught me so much and I can't wait to see where the future actually takes me and if I can become a professional radio reporter. Well, um, we'll try and work on that, but we'll certainly hear from you not only on future football broadcasts, but certainly future editions of Splinters, because I know that you have a few issues that you want to discuss and use perhaps your contacts and get some people in that you know that would be uh, more than happy to come on board and take part in a future episode of Splinters. So we really look forward to that. Sure, 100%. I would bring anyone and everything. It'll be interesting. Indeed. Hopefully it will be the formal Splinters and not the infected splinters the after dark version but we'll anyway see about that. we'll see about that <laughs> look many thanks for your time sarah we it's so uh, happy we're so delighted to have you on board the selfish side of us says hopefully you don't win the miss world so that you can spend more time with us on triple h's going forward but there's another side of us that says we'd love to see you on board as the next Miss World Australia on our team and maybe even the next Miss World. I mentioned on air last Sunday on Triple HU and our football broadcasts, 1972 was the last time we had an Australian wear the Miss World sash. Belinda Green, it made her career virtually what it was today. It would be nice to have you on board as Miss World. Thanks for your time and we'll catch up soon. Thank you, Tony. That's Sarah Marshke, one half of our new breed of female sports commentator joining us on Splitters. We'll be back with the other half for the moment, Alex Bellamy right after this break. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Good All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Yes, welcome back to Splinters. My name is Tony Dawson the Sultan. Great to have your company on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM or on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com or Spotify or iTunes, or uh, tune in wherever you pick up your, uh, your your podcast. That giggling in the background you can hear is of our second part of this program. Um, we're, we're just as delighted and proud to have her on board as we have Sarah Marshke. We thought at one stage we'd have them both together, but I thought it was probably best to separate them so that they could give their answers almost in separate unison, one side of the green room, the other side of the green room. Um, But Alex was giggling along with some of the answers along the way. Uh, This lady is uh, currently the Hornsby Lions Rugby Union women's captain, but there's a heck of a lot more to her than just that. And so that's why we have her on now to delve into a little bit of that. Alex Bellamy, thank you so much for joining us on Splinters. Watch those Splinters on that far side. Sarah and her uh, tall frame was able to avoid them and you better watch them as well. I will. Thank you for having me. It's always good fun to be on Triple H. Okay, tell us about yourself. Where did your passion for sport start? Um, I think mine's a bit of a different 
story to a lot of people. I didn't play sport as such when I was growing up. I, I danced a lot. So I would do dance and I'd do swimming. What type of dance? Uh, ballet, ja- anything. Tap, Jazz, tap, yep. hip hop. Like yep. I, I, and that was, I, I did a bit of gymnastics as well. And that's all like very individual, I guess, sporting activities and things like that. So I didn't really fall into the team sport side of things until high school really and I do so I, I did rugby in high school um bit of touch footy all that kind of thing you're a local Sydney yeah, yeah. Asquith so went to Asquith girls yeah Mount Cola born and bred so yeah a true Hornsby Karingai local much, yeah yeah and then it really wasn't until um what 2016 that I, I really took up a sport as my own and kind of ran with it being being rugby so at the moment I'm yeah why was it rugby compared to others i know that in these parts in the northern corridor rugby is pretty much rugby union that is is you know pretty much king mm-hmm. now um after the demise mm-hmm. of the north city bears and everything else um was it following the crowd or was it your own there's, choice there's a couple of i guess reasons why so Growing up, league league was my sport of choice. I'd watch it with my dad all the time. Um, absolutely adore Sydney Roosters and so involved in that sphere as a spectator. Uh, I remember getting to 14, I think it was, and being like, well, I want to play. Um, Googling girls' footy teams and that there was nothing out there. So I think the closest was Forestville Ferrets, but that was an Opens women's team. I was 14, I couldn't do yeah, that. So yeah. I'd sit on the sideline and watch my brother. Um, so there wasn't that opportunity to fall into league. Um, come the 2016 Rio Olympics, watching the the Australian women's sevens team was... Winning the gold medal the way the they gold. did. It that was, was the catalyst? That was the catalyst. I could. I was watching it and I'm like, I, I can see myself doing this sport. Um, so kind of after that, I, there wasn't any rugby sevens teams in Hornsby either, so I, I made my own. <laughs> so uh, tell me about that, because these Hornsby Lions women's teams are very much, or women's team is very much driven by yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Without wanting to be too modest yeah, or anything? Yeah, I mean, it's not something I, I often reflect on, but it, it it's something I'm quite proud of that we've been able to build such a a great unit of women in in this this local competition. So it was pretty much uh, myself, my my co-captain Angela Mirando, and our two coaches Sam White and Lockie Scalander, uh, who set up this team. We we picked an oval. We were like, we'll come along to training if anyone's interested. I think we had about 11 girls come along to the first one. Did a bit of training, got some drills going, and then got thrown into a, a game. And from there, it just kind of took off. So we, yeah. It, it, and that it's awesome to see the continual new faces coming down and things like that. How many players have you got in there now to call on on the list? At, at any... the moment, we've got 20 registered, um, which is about the same as last year. We've got a few out with injuries and things like mm. that. So we have a playing roster of about 16 regulars, so depending on... Because this is sevens out. we're talking about. Correct, correct. So, yeah, sevens, seven on the field. Of course. It's a lot more fast-paced um, and a lot more expansive footy than, than your traditional 15s. Speaking of which, have you ever thought about one day 100%. the traditional 15-a-side game or the 13-a-side game that <laughs> Sarah has played? Yeah. Um, not the dark side, possibly, you know, AFL. Literally in... all three of Really? I, yeah, so um, for me, last, or 2018, but prior to doing my knee um i was training sevens i was training 15s and i was training league with the the north sydney bears um unfortunately 
did my knee, so that kind of cut everything out for mm. a season. Um, but because I'm so involved with the Hornsby rugby team, um, that's where I've kind of picked back up in terms of getting back into playing. Um, come 2020, I'm so keen to get back into the 15 sphere. Um, I think our, our competition at the moment is a sevens. It's looking to go towards a tens in 2020 for mm-hmm. our women's team. Um, in the Central Coast competition, that is. In the Central Coast yeah. competition, yeah. So whether I can do tens and the fifteens and balance it, and we'll see. Well, to play fifteens, you'd have to play for somebody else because the Lions have made the call to go away from the Sydney sub-district system Correct. and go into the Central Coast competition long term. It was a, it was a, a call that was fraught with. A lot of toing and froing, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people were yeah. divided about the decision. Three years down the track, it's the third season now. How do you read it? Um, for for the Hornsby Rugby Club, I find it's a great competition for building club culture. Um, there's a lot of trips. There's a lot of going back to the other team's clubhouse and bonding with that group of people, whether it's the men's teams or the women's teams. Um, we always seem to hang out with them afterwards which is awesome you don't see that in Sydney footy the downside is that it's it's only the 10 teams for the men's there's no I guess relegation or promotion and things like that yeah. so you've got those really strong four teams and then it's just a battle and it's the same each year there's not so much you, you kind of know the the finalists although on. Hornsby have made ground this we've year we've made huge ground which is so good to see we've, we've brought in a really great coaching team who they brought a bit of a professionalism to the club, not to say that we didn't have it previously, but it's it's a different different level, I think, and the players have really bought into that, uh, and it's so good to see that, that kind of change. So, yeah, they're stringing together some more wins, which is fantastic to see. I think 2020, this was kind of a, a first year mm. in their, their contract as a coaching team. I think they've built a really strong base. Um, we've seen some new players come in, some familiar faces return who haven't been in the fold for mm, a couple of years. Mm, so mm. 2020, I think, will be a huge year. All right, going back to uh, yourself, if the to play 15s, you'll have to play somewhere else in Sydney. You won't Correct. be able to play for Hornsby. Um, how hard will that decision be to make the choice? And does Rugby League and other codes come back on the radar one yeah, day. Yeah, so for me, I, I was training with Eastern uh, Eastern Suburbs Rugby for, for 15s, which for me, Sydney Roosters, Easts, it's got a nice yeah, vibe, yeah, nice yeah, colours. I right. look good in them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, Same really, area, just quietly. Exactly. I, I really enjoyed that team environment, so that, that'd be where I'd be looking to go, but it would be so hard to completely shut the door on anything Hornsby. I'm, I'm, I'm vice president there as well. I'm very in the club in that sense as well. So I, there's been no way I wouldn't be putting on the boots for the girls. Do you <laughs> want to see a 15-a-side women's team for the Lions one day? I would love to get it to that point, but I also am aware that a lot of people see the progression of a sevens comp into a 15s just being, oh, we've got that many players able to play. It's just going to naturally go to 15s, but it's such a different game. We've got girls who there's no way they would want to play 15s. Mm. They love the sevens. They love the, the expansive footy, the way you can... It's, it's more about attacking rather than that tactical defensive movements and things like that. Whereas for me, I... I love the the physicality of the 15s game. Well, the 15s game where you have breakdowns Correct. and rucks and more. And they mauls. mean a lot more. So yeah. that, that's where I'm interested in. So. The contest of the possession yeah, at the breakdown. Exactly. And it's just, I think it's so much more rewarding. It's hard fought kind of thing. So I think if we could have a 7s and a 15s, that would be huge. Obviously, there's a few clubs in Sydney who already have that 
that happening. So our numbers are growing. It'd be awesome to see something like that. That's a good thing to hear that rugby numbers are growing mm-hmm. because at the top end of the scale, at the top end mm-hmm. of town, rugby's problems are well documented yeah. as to uh, loss of uh, public awareness. Uh, the public awareness that it does have is of a negative nature at mm-hmm. the moment, whether it be by poor results on the field or well-documented personality clashes yeah. off the field. I'm not going to get your opinion or ask your opinion on those right now, but how much has all of that hurt rugby at the grassroots where you are? I think at the grassroots, it it hasn't. There's not that impact where... I think it's very much removed where there, there is Rugby Australia, there's the, the overseeing governing body, but at the end of the day, how much involvement do they have in our club on the day, on Saturdays? There isn't. It's all the people coming down, it's the volunteers, it's the crowds, it's the, the people who buy into that fan base of, of the club that they're not going anywhere, they're rusted on supporters. Um, in particular for the women's game, it can it just keeps growing. There's clubs with so many players that they can't actually field. They've got too many to put on the field. So I can't see it having that impact. It's just, I think it's very much separated, which is fantastic to see for us. However, the pathway system mm-hmm. is there and should be there to make your way to Wallaroos or the Olympic program. Right now, that Olympic program seems to be on its own path and its own trajectory, um, separate to that of the Wallaroos. Um, And as a result, a couple of those Sevens players have moved across to league. Mm -hmm. A couple of well-documented cases. Um, How would you like to see those pathways, not so much tightened up, but consolidated? Yeah, I think there's a lot of money in league, which makes it easier for people to see that there there is that pathway and I, I was reading something recently by I think it was the Wallaroos coach he was saying that they just focus on building uh, again that culture around the team there there isn't the opportunity for league players to go to world cups to go to these world series around mm. the world olympic games all those kind of things so they try and one build a really good culture and two highlight that side of things so I think if rugby australia is looking to shore up something like that it's got to be what is those like intangible things that money can't buy mm. I think so you, you obviously can't buy a club culture or a team culture no you can't go to the 7-eleven and say I'll have two bottles of culture for 5 dollars exactly. and 3 o'clock in the morning when exactly. you fill up with your fuel so, yeah and I think that's something they are doing quite well so what about you mentioned the knee injury mm-hmm. it's been a very it was a horrific one um <laughs> it was the trifecta was I understand <laughs> ACL meniscus and tendon. It was a yeah ACL ruptured, um, meniscus damage, bone bruising, and slight tears up and down my MCL. So well, that's pretty horrific. <laughs> How hard was it to make your way back uh, when obviously there were thoughts along the way of you know what this What's is it, point? this yeah. is it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's anyone who's done an ACL injury will know it's not so much a physical injury it's the mental side of things because it is a minimum 12 months recovery you do see some of the NRL guys come back after eight nine months I could not imagine doing that but it's they have access to much better science yep care all that kind of side of things but it's the the mental side of getting yourself up getting yourself to the gym 
in the morning when you t- you know it's not for a Saturday game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of just to get yourself that little bit better how hard than was you were that, last week. And how hard was that for you? I'm a very internally motivated person. So for me, I've and I've, I've said there's a couple of my other teammates who've done their knees since who I've given them a bit of advice where it's get those little goals, whether it's, okay, this week I want to get range of motion when I'm on the bike or I want to do this many leg presses, all those little things that you can see progress, mm. make that your goal and then you write it down and when you achieve that, that's that's that reflection of, okay, I've done that, let's go to the next step. So that's, for me, how I go about it. It was, it was so hard. Like you said, there's some times where you're like, well, is there any point? Is this going anywhere? I think you just got to kind of push those ones, put your music up louder, whatever it is you need to do at the gym to just shut them up and just keep going. <laughs> now, you mentioned leadership. You've fallen into the vice presidency yeah. of the Hornsby <laughs> Lions Club, which has been one of the longest standing clubs in in Sydney. Uh, how did that come about? Was that just a case of, like in a lot of instances, you, you're, <laughs> you're slow to put your hand down when it comes to nominating for positions did someone get in your ear and say you know what Alex you've got some qualities there we need in this club you should put your hand up (laughs) I I adore the club and I love to be hands-on and involved and making changes when I know you can so Mm. I'm probably one of those weird people who put my hand up myself um (laughs) I know look at you like god what's wrong with it no nothing wrong with that (laughs) Um, I've been there and done that myself. Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere very close to home. There you go. Like this place, but that's another story. (laughs) No, I've been on the committee for a couple of years, and I think it stemmed from when we did start up the women's team, just making sure there was a female voice in in the leadership of the club and just guiding some of those decisions. So there's often those little things that will come up that the club might think is a great idea, but then when they don't kind of consult the other, the, the females at the club, we've got some other points I guess so that's kind of where it stemmed from and then yeah last year at the AGM I was kind of talking to my my partner Sam being like I think I really want to go for this I know I can make a lot of difference I I obviously love the club and it's kind of went from there so all right (laughs) now um as I've mentioned with Sarah and as I've mentioned elsewhere you know Australians women's sport Mm -hmm. is on the march you're either on the bus or you're under the bus it's as simple as that I'll ask you I'll (laughs) ask you should should men be threatened? Do they? And there are some that say, "Ah, oh, women are taking over, and it's the <laughs> feminisation of yeah. of sport, and it's not like it used to be." And 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 uh, what do you say to those that feel threatened by this? Because there are those that are. There are, and I find it oh, humorous. Maybe it's probably not the right word, but I do find it ridiculous that some people think that. Yeah, that because we're talking about women's sport it's at the detriment of men's sport I think the percentage of female sports stories in the media is still less than like 10% compared to the men's I think it's because there's been no communication or broadcasting of women's sport now there is that little bit it's mm. it's kind of taking people by surprise but because yeah. it's not the the norm but yeah I, I think a lot of the a lot of the guys I talk to at the club and things like that they're so excited that there's people like Ash Barty there's people like the Australian Women's Sevens there's the State of Origin that all the Southern Stars exactly that all this is all happening in the space of June July there's so much female sport to talk about that they kind of are just talking about it as sport like they would talk about oh how'd the NRL go this weekend and things like that how did Origin go etc yeah which is really refreshing so uh, no one I don't think it needs to be feared but Mm. it's just 
just open your eyes a little bit more. <laughs> leadership. Um, you've taken on a lot of leadership roles already in such a short space of time. Did you find that leadership just came to you? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely one of those people who I think, again, like I said, I like to get my hands dirty and I don't like to be someone who says we should do this without doing it myself and then mm. rolling up my sleeves and doing mm. that. So I guess from a leadership perspective, that's how I take my leadership approach. But um, I'm, I'm always putting my hand up to to lead the charge, whether it is on the field, in, in, in our games or off field with the club or just growing women's sport as well. Have you found that to your detriment? Because you've got a life, I know, outside of sport altogether. Do I? <laughs> um, it, it, in a detriment to... Oh, I would say no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because my life is sport at the moment. Which oh, fair is, enough. Which is lovely, so which it's fine. Which is great. You're one of the lucky ones. Yeah, exactly. I do find that um, I, I might be raising my hand or, or making a comment or saying something that, in from a leadership perspective as one of the female advocates at the club it does raise some eyebrows and things like that Mm. but it is what it is got to change some of those minds all right (laughs) same with sarah i'm gonna not go drop and give me 20 this is about a drop and give me five or six squats um along similar lines (laughs) starting with sporting idols when you were growing up who were they could be anyone around the world there's plenty of them there's plenty of them Um, i always i adored lane beachley growing up Mm. um i one of my favourite movies is Blue Crush, so I loved oh, surfing yeah. growing up, and, and Lane Beachley was obviously just the be-all and end-all when it came to female surfing. So I really got around her, not only her, her success on, or, or I guess, in the waves, oh, yes. um, but her story behind that and, and I guess the hard work she's put into to get to there as well. Um, and then, I guess, future-wise, looking at, at rugby and things like that, there's people like Charlotte Kuzlik who mm. I just, as a player that's all I would want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright. Um, what about uh, uh, proudest or best or favourite sporting moment yourself? Uh, I think for me it's just every Saturday seeing mm. a women's team go out and be in Hornsby Colours. I think that's that's something that I'm, I'm super proud of and that it's continued it hasn't just kind of been a flash in the pan we're still building with three seasons in and we're looking stronger than ever all right what about worst or most embarrassing yeah. uh sporting moment you've had worst it's probably the knee, worst would probably be the knee, knee injury most embarrassing would be my finger injury coming back from my knee was literally i was at training one of the girls passed me a ball and it just hit my pinky finger and it shattered it and it's like it's nothing and then everyone knew I was almost coming back from a knee so they're like yeah are you ready to go are you ready to go and I was no. like I've broken my pinky finger and they're all like yeah but what's wrong with you kind of thing so it's just embarrassing to be like you've done your 12 months hard work and then the little pinky, the goes. pinky goes it still looks ugly but it's better now ish ish well as long as it does the job exactly. that's, that's the main thing <laughs> alright funniest teammate mm-hmm. in any sport yeah. that you've been in the funniest teammate is oh I've got two but hands down there's there's Alex James in our in our women's rugby team she's a breath of fresh air she's so energetic she'll make any room laugh she's just the funniest 
person I've ever met. And it, it's not from any antics or anything like that. She's just so quick and so witty that she'll just cut you down with something and you just, it, it's so good. It's remarkable how some people are gifted like that, isn't 100%. it? 100%. <laughs> Indeed. What about, and we know it goes on, <laughs> as we mentioned with Sarah before, the biggest or worst or funniest or most memorable sledge yeah. you've copped or given or heard out on the field? We get in trouble, not so much in our games, but when we finish our game, uh, our second game at rugby, we then watch the men's game. So we're often on the sideline after our games, a couple of drinks in hand, giving it to the other team. And we it got back to, I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when we had Warner Vale at, at Hornsby. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely mentioned in their post-match function speech that they could hear the the captain of the women's team giving it to their number eight. So I can't remember what I was saying, but I think I was just, just in his ear a little bit. He was taking a little while to do his shoelaces up and things like that, just wasting time. So I let him know. <laughs> All right. Okay. We better leave that one alone. Otherwise we'll, we'll, we'll get ourselves into trouble. Um, where do you want to see the Hornsby Lions women's rugby team 12 months, two years, five years mm-hmm. down the track. I would love us to have, uh, I guess, a first and a second grade team, something like that. So we've had the numbers that we could then be fielding them in different competitions and things like that, giving different girls a run. That would be definitely short term. Um, and then I think like we touched on earlier, having a, a sevens, two a tens, two a fifteens in the mix, that kind of different opportunities for different women to just get out there and have a run. That would mean playing, as you mentioned, in different competitions, mm-hmm. which would mean Hornsby Lions would have to split itself up and go back into a Sydney competition. Is mm-hmm. there support for that from your experience yeah. at board level at the moment? If it came to pass that a, a 15s women's team would need to play in Sydney, separate to uh, a home game on a Saturday afternoon at Mark Taylor Oval? Yeah, I think in terms of the club itself, we're so set in the Central Coast, they're would be no way we wouldn't be moving the whole club back as you said it would be a separate entity in itself so before we did anything we'd have to make sure that it was self-sufficient it's got the coaching staff it's got everything it needs to pretty much pick yourself up and go wherever you need to go on on that Saturday afternoon and and go from there so yeah I think there would be support but it would need to be logistically wise worked out to a T. How many bodies are there on the floor Mm. to carry out that logistical support because if it's a case that a a 15 side is say playing at you know Concord on a Saturday afternoon against you know West Harbour or someone equivalent on the same day that the women's sevens are playing at Mark Taylor Oval they're two games before the uh the men's Central Coast game that would be logistically almost a nightmare to pull off correct but like the bigger clubs the shoot shield clubs do manage that obviously they've got a an expansive workforce um, within their systems so it's not something that isn't impossible to do I think it would be a a two to five year down the track thing if we were looking at it at all I think for the time being our girls are so happy playing the sevens and there is the opportunity through the country Mm. pathway to do central coast reps as a 15s player and things like that so you can dip your toe in but I think yeah long term maybe a pipe dream for me but I'd love to see it (laughs) well Three years ago, there was no women's team at all, though. Exactly. So that's something that's been um, 
put together that you could be so de- so proud of. Yeah. Um, it, it's not funny. All right, we're 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 slowly running. Well, not slowly. We're we're rapidly <laughs> running out of time here. Uh, before we wrap it up, a couple of last things before you go. I asked Sarah, mm-hmm. the Triple H experience that you've come on board with. I know it's been a bit self-indulgent, but why not? How have you found it? Has that opened your eyes to something else down the track? It's funny because when I finished high school, I Which was wasn't that long do, ago. Oh, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's almost there. Um, oh, I was in, I was meant to do sports media down in Canberra, but I couldn't yep. afford to move down there to study and live out of home myself. So that kind of got nipped in the bud but obviously it never stopped my passion for sport and the stories that sport has I love talking about the the I guess the the whole picture of sport it's not just mm. the the stats or what's happening on the ground it's the little things that you notice and things like it's that the politics it's this it's and all, that, yeah. yeah yeah and it comes together to make this amazing spectacle that we watch every weekend kind of thing so it's funny that this has kind of fallen into place it's it's not something I would have ever gone after myself but yeah just kind of by chance going to Triple H for a Hornsby rugby thing talking to Rick and then this coming out of it it's been a, a wild I don't even know couple of months really and it hasn't <laughs> even started yet it hasn't, um, yeah Mary yeah. God rest her soul Mary mm-hmm. Kay as she's known yeah. um, you've told me that she's a mentor of yours yeah um, run me past that before we go yeah so because I'm sure she'll pick this up eventually from I think it was 2017 it was through my work actually there's a, a women's sport Australia mentoring program mm-hmm. so we my, my work encouraged me to apply for it um, and you get matched up with a mentor based on I guess your your interests your yeah your passions all that kind of thing and and I actually yeah I got matched with Mary Kay back in 2017 so how's that relationship been since that time it's we i kind of catch up for coffee with her every every so often um not so much in league because we're both so busy during oh, the, the august to, or april to august months and things like that but she's always good for me to either flick an email through and say hey do you want to catch up and i just run through ideas or just advice things like that she's been great obviously she's a female voice in a, a male dominated sport at the moment so she's been great to give advice when there's those I guess people, the naysayers, things mm. like that. I've always found that she's fantastic in that uh, that sense. And she's also been able to link me up with different people and, and speak to different people for other opportunities, I guess. Well, hopefully this opportunity can lead to something as well. We are so delighted to have you on board with us at Triple H. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things planned for you and Sarah and one or two others going forward. Alex James. Indeed, no doubt about that. Well, we're yet to see her. We've been told a lot about her. Wherever you are, if you're listening to this, Alex, (laughs) we're waiting. Yeah. We're waiting. But Alex Bellamy, thank you so much for your time. We have run out of time. (laughs) We will hear you again on our football coverage and we look forward to your uh, Splinters episodes that you will put together in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, definitely. No, it's exciting times, so thanks, guys. Thank you. That takes us away from another edition of Splinters for another week. Join us uh, next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on 100.1 FM or at triplehfm.com.au or at podcasts.com. But until then, this is the Sultan, Tony Dawson, saying goodbye. <laughs>